The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. So whether or not you're in a deep crisis or in low-level stress, a brain is a brain is a brain. And we're all different, but we're all wired the same. And it can be really helpful to know that you may not have this extreme symptom, but your low-level version of this extreme symptom is because of the same part of your brain. Hello and welcome to a new week at the Next Big Idea Daily. Our topic this week, how to get unstuck. Because whether you know it or not, you are stuck somewhere in your life. Maybe it's a simple kind of stuck. Maybe you're having a hard time getting started on that project or quitting that annoying nail-biting habit. Or maybe it's a more severe kind of stuck, an addiction maybe, or crippling social anxiety. Wherever you are on the stuck spectrum, I bet you could benefit from the insights of my guest this week, Britt Frank, author of The Science of Stuck, Breaking Through Inertia to Find Your Path Forward. Britt is a psychotherapist and she's an expert on trauma, but don't let that word scare you. You may or may not identify as a trauma survivor, but Britt argues that what keeps all of us stuck is a form of trauma. It's the body and mind's evolved response to the threat posed by change, a response that appears most often as anxiety. That anxiety, that sensation you get when something just feels off, it's not a problem in and of itself. In fact, it's a signal that, if you know how to pay attention to it, indicates how you can get unstuck. As a therapist, I'm very used to hearing people really suffering when it comes to their anxiety. And anxiety can be debilitating and in some cases must be medically managed. However, trying to get rid of anxiety is as pointless as trying to get rid of the check engine light on your car or to disable the smoke alarm in your house. Anxiety is not a character flaw, and it's not an illness. As much as anxiety is uncomfortable and inconvenient, it is a roadmap that points us towards either a real or imagined threat, pain from the past, or something in the present that needs our attention. We need anxiety. Britt Frank, welcome to the Next Big Idea Daily. Glad to have you here. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So your book, The Science of Stuck, tell me the backstory. We'll get into a lot of the specifics of the book, but I'd love to hear a little bit about your own experience with stuckness and your own professional experience that led you to write this book. Yeah, so I'm a licensed psychotherapist and I'm a trauma specialist. And what I've found is not everyone identifies as having trauma or a severe mental health issue, but we all know what it's like to get stuck with something, whether it's career, whether it's body image, whatever the case may be. Being stuck is a human, a very human experience, which is why the book is called The Science of Stuck and not The Science of Trauma. I mean, so on the one hand, we're talking about what you might call normal kinds of stuckness, like procrastination or laziness, lack of motivation or something, all the way up to being really stuck in a self-destructive pattern of behavior. So given that we're talking about such a wide range of things, maybe you could just explain how you define stuckness, like why you think that word gets at something deep in this pattern. I really wrote the book for situations where there's no logical reason why we're standing in the gap between what we say we want and what we actually do. 
The researchers call it the intention-action gap. And so if you're looking at your choices as a person and you're going, okay, there's no medical reason, there's no really big environmental reason, there's no logical reason why I say I want to get off my couch and do this, yet here I am. And what most people would attribute to as laziness or some sort of moral failing, there is a reason that we get stuck in the intention-action gap. And this book is really for people who find themselves in those situations. Not so much you're stuck because you have a genetic issue that has contributed to this thing that has now created a systemic thing. And I know you share in the book some of your own personal experiences with stuckness, both the mild kind and the more intense kinds. Some of that's fairly personal, but since you shared in the book, maybe you'd be willing to share with us some elements of your backstory that make this a personal topic for you as well. I've struggled with clinical depression and severe mental health things my whole life, drug addiction, eating disorders, domestic violence. You know, my list of life stuff isn't short. So this was my show and tell of what I found to be the most helpful pieces of information for my own personal process as a recovering human and as a right. as a clinician as well. Right. So you you earned your stripes. You're not just offering this as academic information. This comes from your life experience. I never would have thought my methamphetamine use would give me legitimacy in my fields, but nevertheless, here we are. Yes, I am a former meth addict and I am here as a clinician and a former drug addict. Well, congratulations. Thanks. We're, we're glad you're here and came through some of the harder times and brought back wisdom to share with the rest of us. So let's talk about anxiety. You say that we need anxiety. So when a patient comes to you, for example, complaining of anxiety, how do you address that? Do you need to treat it as a condition or are you trying to find out what's underlying it? I have never seen in my entire career someone whose anxiety did not make sense in context. And uh -huh. so I'm not a, you need to dive into the past and figure out where in your childhood someone looked at you wrong or where your mother didn't hug you. We don't need to do that. But it can help to first, if you're, if you're complaining of anxiety, to know what it is. A lot of people think anxiety is something that happens in your mind. It's a mindset issue. And it's not. Anxiety is first physiological. If you don't know that, you have a brain that is attached to a physiological body that interacts with your environments, you're going to feel crazy and you're not going to know why. Anxiety is a check engine light. It's an indicator. It's not pathological. It's debilitating. It's awful. I hate anxiety. I feel it too. And we need it. Otherwise, how are we going to know if we're off course, if we're off track, or if there are injuries that need our attention? It's a signal that there's some underlying issue. And I imagine sometimes that's obvious what the underlying issue is. And sometimes it's not. Probably sometimes we don't even know why we're feeling this body sensation of fear, for example. And it takes some work, maybe working with you as a psychotherapist, to kind of uncover what is foundational here, what's causing this to happen. A lot of people I've found don't necessarily care what's causing it. They just want to feel better. And because it's seldom as neat and clean as here's this stressor, now you feel anxious because our brains are encoding, you know, countless pieces of information every second of every day. And so it's very seldom a neat and clean. Here's your origin. Therefore, here's your anxiety. Right. You know, my job is stressful. I'm scared of losing it. Now I feel anxious. Okay, well, that's that's pretty easy to see. But a lot of people have so many life stressors pushing down on them. It's hard to discern, well, which thing is it? And then it doesn't matter. 
you can feel better without knowing why you feel anxious. And that is incredibly good news. <laughs> yeah, you get into a lot of brain science in the book, which is fascinating. And that some of what we experience as anxiety is this bodily fight, flight, or freeze reaction, right? That we're evolved to experience. But I'm wondering, I don't know if there's specific ways that the anxiety itself can provide clues to what needs to be addressed. It's tricky because in order to figure out what is my anxiety trying to show me or teach me, I have to settle down enough to be able to get curious about it. And right. often we're so distracted by the discomfort of the symptom that the energy required to access curiosity is not available. Or, you know, this is sort of an and or, we attach these narratives to our symptoms. I feel anxious, therefore I have a disorder. Okay, this is just who I am. Okay, I'm being stupid. Okay, I'm being illogical. What's wrong with me? And again, the brain's bandwidth needed to be curious is already eaten up by these narratives of shame and unworthiness and brokenness and all of these things that are just not accurate and not reflective of the reality. If we could calm down our stories enough to just get curious about our own physiology, it is amazing to me how quickly clarity comes online. And I see that every day. I've shared on this podcast before that my own experience with anxiety is often related to money. And having just gone through paying taxes, I dealt with some of this. I get into this state where I feel very, very activated and very scared, like I'm about to be eaten by a lion or something when I have to write this big check. I know that I'm overreacting and that I'm not going to immediately starve if my bank account goes down a little bit next month, but I have a hard time talking myself out of this state where I just feel very, very stressed. My whole body's kind of tingling. It's very hard for me to focus on anything else. And I don't know, do you have any advice for me? <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the club. You are in good company, especially this time of year. So I would start by asking, how well does trying to talk yourself out of it work? And the answer is it doesn't. If we could all talk ourselves out of being irrational or unreasonable, I would be out of a job and that would be a delightful world <laughs> to live in. So the question is, okay, your body is thinking that you're about to be attacked by a lion and all of your best thinking strategies are not going to work. So the question is, okay, well, then what do you do? And so I like doing what's called a top-down approach. First, let's make sure you're not, in fact, in a financial state. So if paying your taxes means now you can't afford rent or food or whatever it is you need to pay, then you're actually in a crisis. That's not a distortion of thinking. But assuming that, you know, it's maybe uncomfortable, but you are, in fact, safe, then we need to switch and get curious about, okay, we name these feelings as anxiety, but what does that feel like in your body? And what do you feel in your body was a question that really aggravated me when my therapist used to ask me that. I'm like, what do you mean, what do I feel in my body? It's in my head. And she right. said, that's great, but your head's attached to a body and you have a central nervous system. And one of the fastest ways to settle an overactive nervous system is to observe it. Hmm. What do you feel? Tight stomach? Do you feel sweaty palms? Do you feel a dry mouth? It's amazing how fast you can dial down. Not completely. This doesn't magic anxiety about finances away. But you can take your body intensity from a 10 to a 7 by starting with observation. And then we can continue dialing it down where once you're at a 4, 
then our thinking strategies can be useful. All right. So if you're coming along with me on this week-long journey to get unstuck, you've now taken the first step. You've learned to see your anxiety, that uncomfortable feeling you get when you're trying to make a positive change, as a signal. Tomorrow, we're going to look at what that signal is pointing to. Brit will help us understand what's on the other side of anxiety, motivation. If you're ready to get unstuck today, check out our Next Big Idea app, where you can find all of Brit's key insights alongside ideas from hundreds of big thinkers. It's available for free wherever you get your apps. I'm Michael Kovnat, and I'll see you tomorrow.